excited about the word. We've been looking at the foundation series. We've been looking at Hebrews in chapter 6. Um, we've been looking at how God wants us to move on from the elementary teachings and go on to greater things of faith, understanding greater things of faith. Now, when it comes to the word of God, so often many people, uh, because we think we know, we think we know. But not everything we think we know are something that we are actually walking in. There are so many things we believe, we know, and we are acting upon. But simply because we have an information that does not necessarily mean how I am living my life. So last week we saw about the faith of Abraham. We saw how Abraham was so full of faith that, that he believed God. God told him to come out of the land and go to the land that God was showing him. And God said, I will bless you and I will bless them that bless you and I will curse them that curse you. And he had a testing of his faith and every one of us. And uh, this coming week, I'm going to speak on that. It's going to be a powerful message, the testing of your faith. But today, I want to focus on a clear understanding of what really faith is. Is that, is that all right? We're going to look at what is a faith. Now, last week we saw how God, through faith, how Abraham did a lot of things. But today I want to teach you. Last week was a lot of preaching. We got excited, we were blessed and all of that. But today I want to teach you. Why? Because teaching is going to establish you in the truth of God's word. Teaching is going to establish you. Uh, the preaching encourages you. Teaching establishes you. Amen. So we need both of that. The Bible says in the book of Romans, the Bible says therein is in, in the gospel, there is a righteousness or a right standing with God revealed in the gospel un, from faith unto faith. God was saying that if you want to have a right standing with God, a righteousness with God, that you have to operate in the realm of faith. You have to live a life of faith. You've got to think a life of faith. You've got to walk a life of faith. You've got to talk a life of faith. And when you do that, the Bible says, you are now exercising the power of righteousness. Amen. You're exercising a power of being right with God in such a powerful way. Not that by doing this you are right with God. Because you are right with God, now you have the ability to operate in faith. Hallelujah. So what really is this faith? First John chapter 5 and verse 4. The Bible says, for whatever is begotten of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. Faith is such a powerful thing that the only thing that has got the power in it to overcome things is our faith. Is believing God with the right beliefs. Everybody say faith. Say it again loud, faith. Now faith has got in it the power to overcome. The moment you say the word overcome, you, it means that there are things in life that are coming against you. There are thought patterns in life that want to destroy your life. You are made and destroyed, not by your enemies. You are made and destroyed by what you believe. Mm, come on, that was a good one. Amen. You're not made and destroyed by your enemies. No weapon that is fashioned against us shall prosper. No tongue that rises up in accusation shall stand. But then who has got the power to destroy us? Our belief systems. What we believe. And therefore, if I want to live a life of victory, overcoming. Everybody say overcoming. If you and I want to be overcomers, we have to work on what we believe and how we believe. Now, when you look through the Bible, we saw last week in the book of Romans and chapter 4, verse 20. 
We saw about Abraham's faith last week. Those of you missed it, I will go back online on, on, on the World Impact channel and you can check out last week's message. When we look at Romans chapter 4 and verse 20, the Bible says, you know, verse 19 says how he refused to be wavering in his faith. Without becoming weak in his faith, he contemplated his own body, now as good as dead, since he was about 100 years old and the deadness of Sarah's womb. Abraham looked at his own body and he said, this man is good as dead. You know, one of the things you need to understand, there are things you've got to die to before faith is really released in your life. There are things you've got to die to. And one of the things you have to die to is a lot of what you're feeling. I feel nobody loves me. I feel nobody cares. I feel God doesn't care for me. I don't know why I'm going through this circumstance. So much of your feeling is really the enemy of faith. Well, I'll tell you why. So when Abraham was saying, he looked at his body and he said, this is almost as good as dead. He looked at Sarah and said, this lady, she, her womb is dead. But verse 20 goes on to say like this, yet with respect to the promise of God, he did not what? Waver in unbelief, but grew strong in his faith, giving glory to God. Now, this is what we really want to build on today. Faith is the oxygen of heaven. Faith is the first things. Faith is the foundation. Faith is the alpha. Everybody say alpha. Which means if you ever want to come to God, the Bible says you have to come believing. If we come to God, God is not impressed by our crying. God wants to respond to our believing. Amen. If we come to God, everyone that comes to God has to come believing. The Bible says, for Galatians 3.26 says like this, for we are all sons of God through faith. The very fact that we became children of God happened because we began to work on what we were believing. This oxygen of heaven keeps everything alive in our life. It is the first principle. Faith is a foundational principle of understanding the things of God. So, so let's define this properly. All right, let's what? Define it. Through years of teaching the word of God, I've understood something. If you define something wrong, you will believe it wrong. You will understand it wrong. You will pursue it wrong. So let's try to define faith. Many people define faith in various different ways. And we have our classical definitions. Faith is forsaking, F-A-I-T-H, forsaking all I trust him. All right. Some people have faith is a, faith is a fact, but, but you know, faith is an invisible reality. Uh, different people say it's a supernatural reality or an invisible reality. Some people say faith is, an, uh, is a supernatural truth. But in its, one of the simplest definitions I've ever heard was written by Lester Sumrall, a man of God. He said like this, what is faith? Faith is simply knowing God. In the simplest definition. Can I make it more simpler than that? Faith is simply what you believe. Which means you believe that uh, you're not sure. That's what, that is your faith. You're not sure. If you believe that, uh, you know, I know God loves me, but you know, I'm not feeling God loves me. And so if you base your faith on what you're feeling, that is your faith. You're feeling that God doesn't love you, which means you don't have faith. Now let's build on this carefully. Why? Because Hebrews chapter 11 and verse uh, 1. You know, when I ask people, which is the book in the Bible, the book of faith, which one would you say? I know you say Hebrews because Hebrews 11 is in it. And it is not true. The book of Hebrews, the entire theme of Hebrews is sonship. The chapter on faith in the Bible is Hebrews 11, but not the book on faith. The book on faith in Bible is the book of James. 
everything about the book of James is about faith. But the book of the chapter, Hebrews 11, is about faith. So let's look to Hebrews 11, verse 1. Look at the definition. What is faith? What is faith? Because I want to teach you this very carefully today. I want you, because I want you to test your heart today. Is that okay? We are going to do a, a servicing of, the, of, of our belief systems today. Now, because I feel I have faith, doesn't mean I have faith. And there is a difference between faith and presumption. Faith and presumption. Presumption is when I am presuming something based on some of my exposures, understandings. So let's look at this verse. Let's read it together. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. The King James goes on to say like this, faith is the substance. Can you say that word? Substance. Say it again loud. Substance. Now, what is substance? This, if you look at this word substance of things hoped for, faith is the substance of things hoped for, which means faith is a reality. It is an available reality. Does, is substance a reality? Yes, yeah, substance is a reality. It is there. It is available. So faith is the substance or it is the touchable, tangible it is the tangible assurance, amen. It is the tangible surety of what I'm hoping for, amen. Now, when you look at the Greek meanings of the word, the substance actually translates to deeper than just the word substance. It is faith is the foundational substance of things hoped for. It is what our foundations are made out of, amen. When we were building this church facility, we built, we dug down deep and we poured in a lot of concrete. Why? We wanted strong foundations. What is the Bible saying? That your faith is what everything else is held upon. And if that foundation gets shaky, everything else gets shaky. So what is faith? Faith is the substance. Can I hear that loud? Substance. Say it again. Substance. So what is substance? Substance is the reality in which the foundation is poured into. It is a substance of things hoped for. Now let me define what hope is for you because hope and faith are different things. Hope is a confident expectation. What is hope? What is it? You are confident that this is going to happen. What is hope? Say it again loud. What is hope? It is a what? Confident, is confident expectation confident? Yes, it is. So sometimes we can have a confident expectation and yet not have faith. Why? Because your confident expectation may not be based on a right kind of faith. I can have a confident expectation when I'm saying, uh, you know, I buy something from the market. And I said, this is a good product. Mm, looks good, smells good, all is good. But when I go and check it out, it lets me down. Did I have a confident expectation? Yes, I did. But what happened to that expectation? It let me down. So what we immediately think is, mm, that product I bought, you know, even though they told me it is good, it isn't good. Sometimes we put a confident expectation on God, but it is not on God. It is on our feelings about God. Many times our expectations are not on faith, they are on feeling. If you, if you base any truth on what you're feeling, faith cannot be based on feeling. Why? Because feeling is not stable. Today you feel he loves me, 
tomorrow he feel you feel he does it you know is that always it comes to mind that picture about that girl who has had a crush on a guy and she picks this flower with a lot of petals and then he'll pull petal after petal he loves me he loves me not he loves me he loves me not he loves me he loves you know waits for that last petal to see if it's a odd or an even now when you base your faith on that that is not faith at all it is simply a confident expectation so what is faith faith is the substance on thing on what your hope is built but faith is not a confident expectation faith is a firm persuasion say that after me it is what a firm persuasion that i know that i know that i know that i know that he is the way the truth and the life faith is a it's not just a confident expectation it is a firm persuasion based on the nature of god now when people have unbelief listen to the statement carefully when you have unbelief unbelief is also faith it's just faith in something else other than the nature of god when i doubt god i'm basically trusting someone else you know when when we when we how about this chair you came on sat on today did you come and test the chair before you sat down some of you we know which locations you sit in week after week at least until his return or maybe after his return you will still be sitting on that chair you know did you come and check the chair out before you sat down did you take it push it down how many of you have been let down by a chair in your life come on wave with me if you have been let down if you have been let down by a chair does that mean you lost trust in chairs no you didn't you came back the next week and then what did you do Ah uh, you sat down some of you may have checked it out what were you checking out you were checking out not whether a chair is used to sit down you were checking out whether even though all chairs usually don't let people down the last one let me down therefore i just want to make sure my feeling of fear is sorted out before i sit down on that chair amen so sometimes in our christian life we have done things we have walked with god we've looked at things and some things have let us down the next time you come what are you struggling with not with the concept of the chair you're struggling with the feeling of will it let me down again and that day you sat down and the next day you sat down and 10 days you sat down and 20 days you sat down after 20 days when you come back are you still feeling the same feeling no you're not which means there are some things in life the bible says that we may not understand why it happened that way but when we continue to see the faithfulness of god when we saw there was one occasion we didn't see it there was another time we couldn't understand it there was a third time somebody told us a promise or a prophecy and it didn't come to pass but the number of times you looked at the faithfulness of god that you went to sleep the previous night you woke up in the morning and you know that this is the day the lord has made we will rejoice and be glad in it and you forget about that fear that came in or that doubt kept came in and your life goes back on establishment of faith everybody say faith so what does really faith do what does really faith do if it is a confident if it is not a confident expectation but it is a firm persuasion based on the nature of god i want you to look at hebrews in chapter 11 i want to just show you a few things that faith really does if we have faith now now for for years i have mused on these scriptures it's really gone deep into my heart to understand this we saw that faith was the assurance yesterday i was 
preaching in another city in Cochin. And while I was coming from that city in, 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 uh, back to the city, you know, the, the, I got on a train. And what did I have in my hand? I had a, a ticket. All right, now it's digital. You don't really carry other tickets anymore. The, the only, now you don't have fear of losing your, your booking. You, have, you, know, you just have fear of losing your battery life. Yeah, you get on that. So you want to be sure to get on that train, you plug your battery in. And I think that makes a lot of sense in faith today. The ticket is available. It is a reality. You want to get on that train, that's a reality. But sometimes in our life, we run out of juice. We run out of juice and do we complain against the TTR? Do we complain against the railway? Who's responsible? No, you didn't plug that in to stay in, empowered with Jews. Amen. So with the power or the energy to keep that on, your faith is a beginning in knowing that God is faithful. So now suppose you came to that train and you looked at the bogey and you saw it was C1 and maybe uh, seat number 33. You got on that train and you went and sat down there and somebody is sitting in seat 33. What do you do? No, not the violent ones. I'm asking the gentle ones here. <laughs> what do you do? You look at him and say, excuse me, that is my seat. And they may say, really? No, it's my seat. Now you might say, well, can we take a look at your ticket? Because my ticket says, that is my seat. I know we have paid for it. It says C133, and that's my seat. Now, sometimes the devil gets and sits in our seat. Because the devil sat in your seat and circumstances are showing like this devil is saying, I am not going to get out of the seat. It's my seat now. And you are saying, no, that's rightfully my seat. No, 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 it's not your seat, it's my seat. And sometimes there is a fight for what God's will is in your life. At that point, what do you do? You don't stand there and shout at the devil. You simply refer this case to the TTR. You say, excuse me, sir. There seems to be a good gentleman who believes that my seat is his. And you say, according to this, you call upon the gates of heaven and you are saying, that seed is rightfully mine in Jesus' mighty name. It is paid for and I'm not going to let it go because it belongs to me. Hallelujah. So faith doesn't mean it will not have a fight. It will not have a fight. I remember years ago, some, and every time faith doesn't operate like that. Years ago, I went to a conference in North India. It was a powerful conference. About 3,000 people were there at the conference. And I knew that was one of a life-changing conference in my life. And uh, I went to the conference and I, you know, if you know me, I go early. I get a seat for myself. I'll get a seat for a whole bunch of people if I can because I want people to be blessed. And I went and I got myself a seat somewhere in the third or fourth row after the VIP rows. You know, like the first rows after the VIP rows. And I went and put my seat, this one down. I sat down and I wanted a cup of tea or a, or a sandwich or something. I was hungry. It was around 7.30 in the morning. I'd gone there early to make sure we get our seats. I went out, got something and I came back and a lady is sitting on my seat. So I said, excuse me, lady, can I have my seat back? She looked at me and she said, no. I said, why not? That was my seat. I kept my things there. She said, well, now it's my seat. Now, this was getting a little bugging for me because I really wanted that seat. And this conference was going to be life-changing. Now, see, everything in our life doesn't always operate based on just what we say. Because faith is much beyond getting what we are saying. Faith goes beyond what just getting what we are saying. Faith is knowing God. 
that sometimes when we stand on that truth, we get what we say. And other times when we stand on that truth, we get not what we say. It doesn't happen. But God has planned something exceedingly and abundantly above what we have asked or imagined. We can't see it at that time. So I told that lady, I said, lady, I need you to understand this is my seat. You got to move out. She looked at me and said, no, now it's my seat. So, you know, she was an elderly lady. I didn't want to fight with her. I said, why exactly do you want to sit in this seat? She said, because when I sit in the front, I feel the anointing coming on me. I said, you can sit anywhere in the auditorium and the anointing will come on you. She said, then you can sit in anywhere in the auditorium and the anointing will come on you. Why are you fighting for this one? Okay, this wasn't sounding good now. So I'm standing there, what frustrated, and I'm not able to shout at her because we are at a Christian conference. You know what I'm saying? So I can't say anything to her. I'm wondering what to do. I'm standing around. While I'm standing and wondering what to do, some guys on stage who see me from stage, some pastors that were going to lead worship that day at that conference, they saw me in the crowd. They, as I said, hey, there's Dr. John. And they said, they sent somebody, says, find Dr. John, bring him up. Call him, call him quickly. So someone said, Dr. John, Dr. John. I'm looking around, who's called Dr. John? And I saw these guys and they're like, come here, come here, Dr. John, come. I said, what happened? Come up here, come up here. And I went up to them near the stage. This is before the service starts. And they said, hey, John, it's so good that you're here. Why don't you join us in leading worship at the conference? Because I had preached at their church a couple of months ago. And we had such a move of God. They were not expecting me there. Now they saw me there. They said, John, please join us in the worship team. I said, well, okay, if you insist, I'll join in the worship team. By the way, get your stuff. Come to the front row. Sit right there in the front along with all the VIPs that are here. Sometimes we let go of something we want so that we can get a hold of something better, which is for us. Amen. Faith is not possessing. Faith is knowing God. Sometimes we possess. Sometimes we dispossess. But every time we know whether we possess or we dispossess that God is going to work all things for good for them that love God and are called according to his purpose. So when you come to knowing God, in Hebrews 11, we see suddenly, by faith, everything operates in Christian life by faith. Or doubt, or fear. Some people, they just don't have faith. They become critical. They're critical about everybody, and suspicious about everybody, and doubting everybody. That's your faith. And you will eat the fruit of how you're training yourself to be, or who you believe. Some people are critical. Who... Who are critical people? Critical people that are people that trust nobody, not even God, but themselves. Now, you can say you trust God, but your life will give you away. How do I know somebody trusts God? By just looking at how they live. How we live or how we, some, it's not our feelings, how we respond to God's word begins to build our faith. Hebrews 11, the Bible says like this, in verse 11 and verse 2. I want you to look at Hebrews 11 verse 2. If you have another version other than the King James, just throw it up. Hebrews 11 and verse, all right, go ahead. Let's read it together. For by it, the men of old gained approval, which means our faith is what brings approval before God. God is saying, if you want to operate in a life with God, it is approved only by our knowing him, only by our faith. Look at verse 3. What does faith do? Come on, read it together. By faith, we understand that the worlds were made by the word of God so that what is seen was not made by the things that are 
which are not are visible. Now, I want you to look at this verse. I want you to remove all the remaining verses except the first four. And read the first four words. Come on. By faith. Period. Stop. What is that? Say that again. By faith. We understand. Which means if you don't have faith, there are so many things in life you just will not understand. Amen. You will be scratching your head over why God did that and why did that say like that? why did I get that prophecy like that and it did not happen I want you to know I've had prophecies that did not come to pass my faith is not shaken why because I've known that there has to be something God cannot be a liar period for me God cannot be a liar whether he answers prayer he doesn't answer prayer whether he does it in my way in my time or doesn't do it in my time I know that God cannot be a liar all I know is that that prayer that I asked did not get answered, but I know another part of my faith says, God's going to work that for good. Oh, it hurts, doesn't it? It does. But I think, so you mean God is not answering prayer? Are you going to try to say, excuse God by saying, because he didn't answer prayer, therefore he's going to turn it for good? No, God is not bound to answer all our prayer. Amen. When we say I am believing God, I am not saying I'm believing God to get what I demand. I'm saying I'm believing God that I know that he is a good God and based on his nature, I'm believing him. Amen. Are so many things in life are based on the nature. Everybody say by faith, we understand. Which means without faith, we will, no, we will misunderstand. <laughs> Without faith, we will misunderstand. We will accuse. We will blame. We will tell other people. I don't know why God did this to me. I don't understand how God could do such a thing to me. Even though I prayed, I fasted, and I even gave an offering. <laughs> Hallelujah. The best of our offerings are peanuts for God. The best of our offerings. I mean, we, you, you give a pound of gold and God will say, oh, that's my streets are full of that. I just left those rocks on the streets in heaven. Because God for God, faith is the foundation. By faith, we understand. By faith, look what all happened. By faith, uh, by, by, in verse 7, by faith, Noah being warned by God. Our faith not only gives us things, our faith warns us. Everybody say warns us. Which means our faith warns us. It warns us that there is a second coming. It warns us that there is a great white throne judgment. Our faith warns us that God wants to use us. But our faith warns us that life is only short and there's only so much time. Our faith warns us of things. So faith not only gives us or blesses us, faith warns us. Faith warns us that the wages of sin is death. Faith warns us. Faith warns us if we go down that road, that is the consequence. Verse 8. By faith, Abraham, come on, when he was, which means faith calls us. Faith calls us. There's so many things faith does for us. Faith warns us. Faith calls us. Verse 9, I love verse 9. Come on, come on, read it. By faith, he lived. Stop, period. I know the rest of it is there, but let's try this again. Just those four words. By faith, he lived. A man shall live by Faith. That means without faith, many of us, we have life, but we are probably not living. You ask people, how, how's your day going? Oh, somehow, brother, I don't know, just dragging along. How, what are you doing with the time? I'm killing time, brother, killing time. Somehow. 
months and years are going by. Why? Because why are months and years going by without you living is because you and I can live only when we have confidence, a firm persuasion in the nature of God. Hallelujah. That God has a purpose. Everybody say purpose. Say it loud, purpose. Say it loud, purpose. The faith tells me that if I am alive, there is yet an unfinished purpose. My faith tells me that God is keeping me alive because he's got work to do. Now my faith also tells me when I die, I don't really die. Because your faith lives on after your death. How do I know that? The Bible says Abel, when he died, his blood was still crying out from the ground. Now, when we think about God, whose sacrifice was God pleased in? Cain's sacrifice or Abel's sacrifice? Come on, somebody. Able sacrifice. But how many of you know bad things happen to good people? Yeah? Straight after, at the pinnacle of Abel's obedience, straight after a supernatural act of obedience where God looks and says, mm, I'm pleased with him. Next moment, Abel gets murdered. Now you might wonder, if we please God, bad things shouldn't happen to us. Come on, is someone listening to me? We think because I please God, because I walk to God, because these things happen, therefore bad things don't happen to me. No, I want you to know something. The Bible says even after Abel died, yet he is speaking. Which means life eternal. It does for a child of God. Our faith tells us even though we die, yet we will live on. Our faith carries on. Our faith goes on. Why? Because that is not a confident expectation of getting something. It is a firm persuasion that I know, that I know, that I know my God is a good God. That he will work it good for me. By faith, so many things happen. Verse 11. Look at verse 11. Verse 11. It was powerful. By faith, Sarah, read it on. Sarah herself, ability which means you're, I'm not talking about baby bearing right now. If you want to conceive anything worthwhile unto eternity, it comes from faith. It begins with faith. Sarah received, everybody say received. Say it loud, received the ability to conceive. Years ago when the Lord spoke to me and came, came to us and said, that you're going to start a ministry and it's going to be called Trotby, the repairers of the breach. I was thinking in my heart, Lord, are you serious? I am so broke as broke can get. I don't have any money. See, when God begins to give you a word, that word does not happen because you have all the substance in your hand. The word comes to pass because you are cooperating what God is speaking from heaven. That's why the word comes to pass. And sometimes that word has to die a thousand deaths. So many times you're at the verge of seeing it as a reality and then it dies a death again. And the next time you say it's the verge of coming to pass and then it dies another death again. At that time you are not going to look at like Abraham at your body which is as good as dead and Sarah's womb which is dead. You are going to look at God's word and say I know whom I have believed. Faith is not based on what word you're standing on. Faith is based on whose word you're standing on. Amen. It brings you to a place of understanding the will of God. Sarah received the ability to conceive. By faith, by faith, look at verse uh, 
verse 23. Come on, 23. Uh, no, verse, uh, um, verse uh, 22. Verse 22. I want you to read this. By faith, Joseph, when he was dying, he made mention of the Exodus, which means like this. Joseph was dying. While he was dying, his last words while he was dying, his guys, I may be dying, but I want you to remember the words I spoke are not dead. We will all leave this land. He says, he said, he would have said, maybe you thought while I'm alive, this will happen. I know this didn't happen while I'm alive, but who said this can't happen after I'm dead? Amen. There are some times in our life, we come to a situation, we have come to the end of everything and we think, well, now what more good can come out of this? Because Joseph has died. What good can come out of this situation? And Joseph said, I am dying. Look at the faith of Joseph. He said, I am dying. But the words I have spoken will come to pass. There is going to be an exodus. There is going to be a coming out from this land. And the Bible says, not only did Joseph die. The Bible says years went on. And then there came pharaohs who did not know anything about Joseph. Had not known anything about the good Joseph did. Which means God not only allowed Joseph to die. He also allowed the pharaohs to forget about everything Joseph did. Why? He's a specialist at picking up when there is no more hope. At fulfilling the plans of God about the faith when there is absolutely no more hope. By faith, the Bible says in verse 29, they crossed the Red Sea like they were passing over dry land. By faith, Jericho fell down. By faith, the Bible says, verse 33, they conquered kingdoms, performed acts of righteousness, obtained promises, shut them out of lions. And verse 35, women received back their dead by resurrection and others were tortured, not accepting the release in order that they might obtain a better resurrection. Some got them back from the dead. Others waited for a better resurrection. How is this even possible? Pastor, are you saying that we simply rejoice no matter what the outcome? No, 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 no. That's not what I'm saying. I said your rejoicing is independent of the outcome. And the outcome is independent of the end of what God is going to do with it. Amen. Sometimes the end, what we call the end, is really not the end. It's very independent of the end. If you heard the story of this man called Jim Elliot, many years ago, five of these friends from college, Orange City, Oregon, they felt called of God to go as missionaries to Ecuador. And five of them, they got on a, uh, you know, on a boat and plane and all that, went down to Ecuador and went among the Amazon tribe, trying to reach out to a tribal people with the gospel of Jesus. And for a long time, many months, they tried to learn the language, reach out, somehow trying to do that. Finally, one day, they landed the plane by the banks of the river and they came out. And the first time that Amazon group of people saw white people, they were so frightened, they thought these were demons. They took the spears and threw it at them and killed all five of them right there on the spot. The families, when they recovered the dead bodies, they were broken hearted that their husbands had died. And some of them, I think two or three of the five, they had small one-year-old or two-year-old children. They took the bodies back. They buried them. They had never seen one soul saved. In the Amazon forest there, right there in Ecuador. But when this, after all this happened, one day the wives got together. And the wife said, we cannot allow what our husbands died for in vain. Go in vain. We will go back and we will preach the gospel. These women went back with their children. 
Because faith after they die still speaks. Amen. Faith doesn't end with, 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 with our death. It continues to speak. These five went back with their children. And they reached out to one of the Amazon, the tribal women. And begin to learn the language. And slowly befriended her. Learned the language. And slowly with her went into the Amazon forest, into the jungle. And in the years to come, they planted around 400 churches among the tribal people all around in the land. There was a man called Nate Saint, one of the five people. Nate Saint's son, growing up among those people. The person who, who killed his father, got born again, received Jesus, and became a pastor of one of the churches. And that man later on baptized Nate Saint's son, whose father he had speared to death. Faith speaks on even after we are gone. Hallelujah. Our faith is not shaky because we are not, faith doesn't end with that moment. So how does really faith come? Faith comes by hearing. Everybody say hearing. Say it loud. Hearing. Faith comes by hearing, but faith doesn't just come by hearing. If it does come by hearing, that's why we have to constantly hear the word of God. We have to constantly hear. Whatever you're constantly hearing, your faith will grow in that direction. If you're constantly hearing a complaining, you know, you're a complaining person, your faith will go, go become that. That is why you and I must be extremely careful who we hang around with. We cannot hang around with, with slanderers. We cannot hang around with complaining people. When I was a young Christian, I chose my friends very carefully. I told myself, I can love everybody, but I cannot live with everybody. Are you listening to me? I can love everybody, but I cannot live with everybody because I cannot expose myself to waste my time over toxic thoughts that are being sent at me. Why? Because I need to build my faith. I need to hear the right thoughts. Some people, they don't understand. When you hang around with chickens, you fly like a chicken. You hang around with eagles, you'll fly like an eagle. Why? When you see eagles fly, you know that your faith is now rising like the eagle. You know that that is possible. But when you sit down and with people that are, that are complaining all the time, their negativity begins to get on you. That's why the Bible talks about that. Not to spend time with those kind of people. Why? Because if faith is simply what we believe, then we want to be building our faith. How do I know? How do I build? Number one, I build by hearing the truth of God's word. Now, I want you to know, simply because we heard the truth, faith doesn't come. Even though Romans 10, 17 says, faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. How do I know? Simply because I heard the truth, faith doesn't come. If faith came by hearing the truth, everybody that heard the gospel would have been saved. And you know that everyone you shared the gospel to did not receive Christ. Why? Because they didn't mix that faith by receiving it into their heart. Faith doesn't come by hearing alone. It comes by hearing and receiving. Everybody say hearing and receiving the word. Faith comes by receiving the word. Sometimes people can be telling you truth statements, but we can, we can reject it. Why? Because we don't feel like it. We feel, I don't feel he's telling the truth. We, we, we try to base our faith on feelings. Firstly, faith comes by hearing the word of God. In the word of God, you have to hear it and you have to receive it. Secondly, how does faith come? Faith comes through prayer. Jude and verse 20, the Bible says, building yourself up in the most holy faith by praying in the Holy Spirit. That means every Christian needs to plug into the spiritual realm 
of building your faith by praying in the Holy Spirit. Praying the Holy Spirit is a powerful thing. What do you mean by praying in the Holy Spirit? Praying in the Holy Spirit bypasses what you're thinking. Praying in the Holy Spirit bypasses what you're feeling. Your feeling is telling you, God doesn't love me. But you are not listening to that. You're saying, you're sitting down here. You are beginning to build your faith, man. And you're bypassing what your brain is telling you. Because faith is not based on what you're feeling. It is based on the truth of God's nature. Nobody loves me. Now you're feeling nobody loves me. But you go back to God's word and you say, Behold what manner of love God has bestowed upon me. And I should be called a child of God. Now you're feeling nobody loves me. But you lock up in that room and you're beginning to pray in the Holy Ghost. And as you're praying, your faith begins to rise up. Praying in the spirit is like a spiritual battery charger. If you ever feel discouraged and your thoughts are overwhelming you, plug into praying in the Holy Spirit. Because the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 14, it says when we're praying in the spirit, our mind is unfruitful. But the spirit himself begins to pray. How else do you build your faith? The third way you build your faith is by impartations. If you hang around with somebody who carries an anointing, there is an impartation that happens on your life. I've seen when we walk with prophetic people, the gift of the prophetic begins to operate. You walk with people of faith, the gift of faith. Because you walk with people of missions who want to go out into the land. Almost everybody I have seen, you know, that have come to Trudby and over the years that have worked with us as a ministry, many of them have come with different giftings, evangelism or preaching or teaching, all of that. All that is great. They operate in that. But simply because of association, after some time, the language begins to change. They say, we want to get into every nation and disciple every nation. Why? Because your association determines your destiny. Your association determines your destiny. And if you associate only with one, ki- one particular kind of belief system, healing. Some people associate, I'm healing, healing, healing. Everything they do is about healing, which is great. A lot of people get healed. But they may not associate with the wise. The Bible says, he who walks with the wise becomes wise. It's important to know who we associate with. So once faith comes, your faith must be acted upon or released. It must be what? Released. Faith is not released by thinking. You know, sometimes, you, you know, God told you to do something and you're thinking about it. And you're thinking about it. And you're thinking about it. And you can spend the remaining 60 years of your life thinking about it. Faith doesn't get released by thinking. Faith gets released by when the moment God tells you something... You want to act upon it. Now, when you're acting upon it, you are not going to look at whether the result came or not. Listen to me carefully. You are not going to look at whether the result came or not because your faith is not based on that result. Your faith is based on who promised you. Amen. It's your job when you go and lay hands on somebody. When you lay hands on somebody, I know that many people don't get healed. And I know the number of people that want to tell me, Pastor, we prayed for them. They didn't get healed. But I want to tell you about the number of people we took a risk and prayed for. And even against all hope, we saw in hope the power of God flowing through them and the miracle happening and then getting healed. If God can do it for one, then I want to dare to build my faith for that. When I came out from the medical profession, My brain always told me about what medical science told me. Prognosis, prognosis, prognosis. Now, prognosis is not wrong. Prognosis is a factual study. 
But faith is not prognosis. Faith is what God is able to do. And so we are saying, I know the prognosis that. So when we respond to prognosis, we are responding to what we are feeling. Nothing wrong with it. But when you respond to faith, you're saying, I know that is the feeling, but I want to lay hands on them. But pastor, what if they did get healed? The last hundred of them didn't get healed. It's okay. Just what if the hundred and first one gets healed? Wouldn't your faith and that hundred and first one rises up to be another Paul the apostle? Just what if? Look at somebody and say, just what if? Yeah. Just what if? Just what if? Now you might say, just what if? It doesn't. Well, if it doesn't, well then, it doesn't need faith for that. That's what's, what we've been experiencing all through the years. But people that have ever seen revival in their land are people that said, just what if revival comes? People that saw miracles, say, just what if? I remember Oral Roberts, I saw a video clipping of his one day. He prayed for a blind woman and her blind eyes opened up. And he was so excited. And he was saying, looking at the lady's tears, he said, can you see? She said, I can see, I can see, I can see. And he looked at her on, on national television. He said, woman, just watching the tears in your eyes that you can see is worth every opposition I've gone through in the healing ministry. Amen. Amen. It's worth every insult I've been through. It's worth every opposition. Everybody look at your neighbor and say, release your faith. Come on. You have to release your faith. You act upon that. Not only do you release your faith, when you release your faith, some people refuse to release. It's like having a million dollars in the bank. You have a million dollars in the bank. Some people say, I don't believe there's a bank. Now, some people say, I know there's a million dollars in the bank. You opened up the net. You checked up and you see a million dollars. And you're saying, wow. You're saying, but can't be true. Possible Allah. Which means you're telling yourself it's in the bank, but not possible. Today we will say, Ariyadu Velo Rito Amen. But just what if it is What if it is something that someone has put in deliberately, knowing that they want to bless you? There are sometimes somebody just blesses you without you knowing. They didn't inform you, but God just made it available in your life. Faith is not ignoring the bank. Faith is not disbelieving that the numbers that are showing are true. Faith is not saying, no, I know it is there, but I don't want to go to the bank to swipe it and receive that money. Faith is none of this. Then what is faith? Faith is saying, Lord, I believe. And I want to walk up to that bank. And I want to swipe it. And I want to take it. And I want to receive what God has for my life. Faith is not imitating somebody else's behavior. If you imitate somebody else's behavior, then all you are doing is imitation because faith is a firm persuasion in the character of God. Amen. So imitating what your pastor is doing, they're not going to get you faith. Then what's going to get you faith? Hear the word and receive the word. Act upon it. But it didn't happen. Hear the word. Everybody say, hear the word. Receive the word and act upon it. Say it again. Hear the word. Receive the word and act upon it. Faith is, is based on God's promises. It's based on God's nature. How do I know if I have faith? Some people think if I have faith, I will feel like I have faith. I want you to know, faith has nothing to do with your feeling. Faith has nothing to do with what you're feeling. It has everything to do with who's promised. 
That's why the Bible says, Abraham not weakening in his faith, believed the one who promised. Amen. But when he looked at himself, no circumstance was lining up. When he looked at situations, nothing was lining up. But when he looked at God, he remembered who he promised. That God was able to do exceedingly, abundantly more. Your faith is not based on what you're feeling. The measure of your faith is not based on your joy levels or your emotions. Do I feel happy today? Your faith is not based on what people said or the fruits you saw. Your faith is based on what you believe. You need to feed this faith. Feed it with the word of God. Feed it with prayer. Some people, they abandon their faith. You know why people abandon their faith? One of the reasons people abandon their faith is because of problems that come in their life. Discouragement. When problems come, they'll say, I want to leave my faith. If problems coming determines that your faith is not strong, then your faith is not based on the... Your, basis, your faith, basing your faith on the circumstance. But if your faith is based on the outcome of God's nature, your problems may come and you will look at it and say, bring it on. Amen. Amen. How many of you today have confidence to say, bring it on, Jesus, bring it on. You know, a few years ago, December 31st, I stood outside my house and you know, where I, have, where I live, oftentimes there's a stream in heavy storms. The stream gets filled up and water overflows. And oftentimes it overflows and it overflows into a backyard and water begins to rise up. And constantly we think, well, will it enter the house? Will it enter the one day, December 31st? We're getting ready for New Year's service. Can you imagine you know, how, how prepared your pastor must be to, to bring a word for a year? And that night, December 3rd, 30th night or 31st early morning, a storm hit. It rained so much. The house, the backyard was flooding and was beginning to get inside the house. I stood outside and I said, God, I thought we said the flood shouldn't come into my house. I thought I said this is not going to happen. So we think that because I have faith, we'll have no trouble. Jesus said in this world, but be off. Good cheer. Why? I have. And this is with which you overcome, yea, even your faith. It doesn't mean you'll not have trouble. I stood there watching the, watching the water rising. We're praying in Jesus' name. Water stopped right over there. Halfway through, I stopped. I knew I'm going to continue believing God for that water to stop while it's rising up and rising and getting ready to enter a house. I stood there and I said, wait a minute. I found out. I was complaining. I was saying, God, God, why, why is this happening to me? And halfway through, I stopped and I said, wait a minute. If I can't handle it, then who can? I told myself, if I can't handle this, then who can? I said, if I'm being the pastor of this church, if I can't handle when trouble comes, then who, how do I expect my people to handle it? I stood there and I said, I said, bring it on, Jesus. Bring it on. We will handle this together. I just want to know that you and I, we're going to partner together. But whatever comes our way, for we know we are more than conquerors through Jesus Christ. That we can handle it by faith. Hallelujah. Our faith begins to handle the problems. Faith begins to handle the false doctrines for which people lose their faith. 
Some people give up their faith because they just don't want to give up the good life. They'll say, no, 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 God is calling me as a missionary. But that's too hard for me. No, I don't want that faith. They give up their faith. You must ask your faith to lead you. Don't let your feelings lead you. Ask your faith to lead you. Because tomorrow morning, I assure you, your feelings will change. Some of you, you, they have given up their faith. The Bible says, do not be unequally yoked with an unbeliever. Then they saw this unbeliever. And then feelings began to rise. Ah, feelings. And then the feelings led them to get married. And after a few months, now they are not feeling anymore. Now they are reeling under the pressure. But you might say, don't believers also have trouble? Sure they do. At least they have God to go to. Amen. The Bible says, don't go after feelings. Go after faith. Let your faith lead you. And God wants you to pick up. Let me close with this. This is powerful. God wants you to pick up your shield of faith. Everybody say shield of faith. Everybody, just show that action. I'm taking my shield of faith. The Bible says, every one of us must have a shield of faith. What is a shield of faith? Some preachers say, like, the shield of faith Every morning, get up, put on that helmet. Put on helmet. Then they will say, put on the breastplate of righteousness. Put on the shirt. I want you to know something. There is no putting on like that. What is this putting on? It is meditating the word of God. That's the putting on. How do you put on? Everyone said, put their thinking, I'm putting on the sword of the spirit. And you're walking like you've got a whole armor on. You don't have a whole armor on. The entire armor is in your head. The entire armor is in how you're training yourself to believe. That is your faith system. So when the Bible says, take the shield of faith. Say it again loud. Shield of faith. When you're taking the shield of faith, what do you do it for? Because the enemy is going to throw fiery darts against you. What are these fiery darts? They are not burning arrows. The fiery darts are the thoughts that will come in your head. I don't know what my future is. Who will feed me? Will I ever get a job? I don't know whether they love me. I don't know what's going to happen to me. Fiery darts. He's throwing it at you. When he's throwing those darts at you, you pick up that shield of faith. And you say, I know that my Redeemer lives. Hallelujah. You pick up that shield of faith and you say, if I live, it's going to be for Christ. I'm going to run with this faith for the rest of my life. Hallelujah. The Bible talks about the shield of faith. People who don't maintain this thought life carefully get depressed, get oppressed and, and every kind of destruction comes upon your life because words and thoughts will lead you to life or they will lead you to death. Therefore, think the thoughts of God and your faith will lead you on. Every eye closed before God. Hallelujah. And I believe today God is just wanting to set you free from the prison of doubt, fear and unbelief. God wants to set you free from this prison of doubt, fear and unbelief. He wants to release you into the glory. This life of walking in faith. Faith is not measured by your feeling. Faith is not measured by your emotion. Faith is not measured by the outcome. Faith is not measured by the fruit of what you're seeing. Faith is measured by knowing the nature of the one who believed. That he who promised 
is faithful, then the outcome will be a glorious outcome. If there's any one of you today, this morning, you have been believing God for something. And you know, understand today that believing God is not just to receive. Believing God is to know that I know that all things will work together for good then. Love God. And if it's according to his word, then I want you to stand upon that word. I want you to stand upon that word and say, God, I know who I have believed. I want you to stand upon that word. And I want to say, God, it is not upon the outcome. It is not upon the deadness of Sarah's womb. It is not upon the impossibility of Abraham's body, but it is upon the possibility of the promises of God. Every promise of God is yes in Christ to us who say amen. So if there is a promise right now in your life, I want you to know if God is saying yes, right now wherever you are, look at that promise and say, Lord, I say amen. I say amen. I say amen.